All right, King of Kings, how are you tonight? Please be seated, get ready to hear the Word of God. We're excited to see everybody tonight. It has been a wonderful evening of worship so far. Just getting started. Grab your Bibles, grab your devices while I greet some people. Uh, so welcome to King of Kings if this is your first time. Welcome home all the members. We welcome everybody watching online as well. Kings Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, other platforms around the world. Welcome to Jerusalem. We're so happy you're here. It's been a lovely weather day for those of you that were traveling or walking outside. I want to welcome people watching online also from Austria and Brazil, Canada, Finland, Indonesia, Ireland, other parts of Israel, Kenya, Malaysia, the Netherlands, Norway, the Philippines, Poland, Singapore, Slovakia, South Africa, South Korea, Spain, Taiwan, United Kingdom, United States. Welcome to King of Kings if you're watching online. And we also are blessed in the house tonight. Also, Celebration Church, Pastor Mark Balderson, bless you. Good to see you guys tonight. Happy to have you. And uh, Georgetown, Texas. I'll be in Georgetown, Texas next month, so let's talk about it. Also, Jen, uh, also from South Africa, thank you guys for being here with us tonight and praying with us in the prayer tower before service. Thank you so much for covering us in prayer. We, we have uh, other leaders and, and, and representatives, I should say, also from other ministries that are here on the Firm Jerusalem Encounter Tour. And I just want to mention a couple. I can't mention everybody who's represented, but Christian Life Assembly, you've been such a great partner with us. Thank you so much, Langley. And uh, Pastor Derek there, Wellspring Church from Tampa, Pastor Joey, thank you, Elevation Church, Life Mission Church, Northwood Church, All Nations Church. There are more. I can't mention all of you, but we are so happy you're here tonight. Now, <clears throat> there are some people in the audience who have known me a long time. I just want to honor uh, Larry and Bess Herzakow part of Bedrachami ministry, and um, they've known me since I was 12. That's a long time. 12 years old. Remember, coming back from the grocery store, unpacking the bags from the back of your car. I could tell you were struggling. I volunteered to help. Made me a good boy. 12 years old. There's somebody who's known me since I was a teenager here tonight. Um... John Ross, who is the senior leader of Beth Messiah Congregation, Houston, Texas. John, you've known me since I was a teenager. My wife is here tonight. Rebecca has known me since I was 11 years old. I met my wife. She was nine years old. It's always important that I say that I was also 11 at the time. It's a very important part of the story. And unless my parents are watching tonight... There's somebody in the house who's known me longer than my wife. Becky Ross is here tonight. Becky, welcome. John and Becky, bless you guys. So happy you're here. They do a great job of leading uh, in Houston, Texas with the congregation that I grew up in, Beth Messiah. Uh, I also had the privilege of, of worshiping there as a young man under Richard Freeman. Becky met me when I was seven years old. You couldn't have been that much older, Becky, at the time. 
Amen. So, so happy you guys are here. It's an honor to have you. This is your first time in Israel and your first time at King of Kings. So happy you guys are here. Bless you today. Give them a hand clap. They serve very well. All right, let's dive into the Word of God tonight. We're going to continue in a series that we've called Battlefields. Tonight is part two of the battlefield of reality, but let me give you a uh, a little recap of some of the lessons we've learned in this series so far. We started with the battlefield of the end of the age, looked at the battle of Armageddon, the battle of Jerusalem, the battlefield in the heavenlies, talking about spiritual warfare, the battlefield of the mind, the battle for truth, the battle for our children. And then last week we opened a powerful portion called the battle for reality. And many of the things I'm going to say tonight, if you feel a little bit lost, that's okay. We covered a lot of ground last week. Go to the archives. You might be inspired to go check out what was said first so that what was said second makes a little bit more sense. I will warn you also that tonight it might be a little bit more of a mature audience topic. Just keep it in mind that I warned you. If I get into some topical areas that you don't like for the children, I'm just giving you a forewarning. Put your hand on their ears. Give them a cracker. They'll lose focus for a minute. It's, we know how that works. You know, and we got a word from the prophetic team that I want to share with you just before we kick this off, and it was this in, in prayer before service. Coming out of the 21 days of prayer and all of the momentum and all of the power and the miracles and the healings we saw, the revelation that God gave us, the Lord had given us a sense today that if we will continue to be a people of prayer, a congregation of prayer, then he will invite us to go on the offense if we are a people of prayer. If we are not a people of prayer, if we are not committed to prayer every day of our life in an intense way, then we might have to play defense. I am one who comes from a sports background I prefer to be on offense, especially in this battle. You don't want to be on defense. You want to be on offense. So take that word. Let it sink in. And I also want to thank, speaking of prayer, that every, uh, the 26th of every month, we have committed as King of Kings family to cover the 26th day of every month for 24-hour cycle that we will cover every hour in prayer. And we've done very well so far. But I do want to say thank you to our online community group, who has been covering the midnight to 3 a.m. hours that some of us in the land have trouble getting up and covering. So if you're watching online, you're part of the King's Highway Community Group with Joanna leading you. Thank you. We appreciate you covering those bridge hours for us. It's very important that you're part of what we're doing. There is a sexual perversion movement sweeping across the planet right now. Last week, we uncovered a little bit of realizing that that sexual perversion agenda is only a small part of a much larger agenda that the enemy does not want you to know about. Because we're all getting pretty acquainted with what's going on in the sexual push, right? We get this. Our key verse tonight, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 4. Satan will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. 
This is what he's always wanted. This is why he tempted Adam and Eve with this. Come on, do it my way. God's hiding something from you. You get a chance to be like God instead of being submitted to God and being in his image. You get to be like God. And it's been the same trick and tactic from the beginning. Because why? Because Satan is projecting his own desire on humanity. The sexual perversion push doesn't do anything for him. You have to understand. A transgender person, a homosexual person, something pushing deviancies on children, it doesn't do anything for Satan except that it's a step on a journey to where he's actually trying to go. And I want you to understand this larger journey. Now remember, I can't cover everything as a recap, but I will do a little bit. Satan believes he has a claim to the earth. He believes it's his. He believes it's his to rule. For some scripture references and reminders, the book of Jude, Satan once held a place of authority in heaven, and when he crossed the barrier, he was kicked out of heaven. The book of Job, Satan once had access to travel between heaven and earth and to show up in God's leadership meetings. Read the book of Job. Genesis chapter 1, Satan had been delegated a certain amount of authority on earth, and he was angry when Adam was given the dominion of the earth. That's what kicked in all of this activity of enticement. He was fine when the earth was void, empty, and covered in water and darkness. But it was when God pronounced over Adam, Adam, you're in charge now, Satan showed up on the scene and said, no, you will not take my planet, it's mine, and began to tempt Adam. John chapter 12, 14, and 16, Yeshua calls Satan the prince of this world because he thinks he's the prince of this world. Matthew chapter four, Satan offers in the temptation of Yeshua, Satan offers all of the kingdoms of the earth to Yeshua because he thinks they're his to give. If you want a little insight into his psyche. Zechariah 12, Revelation 19 and 20, the battles of the end of the age show once again, Satan will gather the armies and governments and leaders from the earth to attack the armies of God because he believes it's his earth to control. The man in the spirit of lawlessness has already been released on the earth to erase every boundary, every definition, and every limit because Satan wants there to be no distinction between himself and God. If you've ever wondered why is the demonic push so strong to erase definitions and boundaries, it's because he doesn't want a boundary between himself and God. This sexual perversion push, homosexuality, transgenderism, cross-dressing, pornography, running rampant, adultery, fornication, lowering the age of sexual consent to 14, according to the United Nations, sexual deviancies and perversions are all attempts to break down and create dysfunctions, blur the lines between normal and abnormal, holy and common, so that he doesn't have to submit to a boundary anymore. Let me make a few clarifications so you don't think we're heading in a wrong direction. When it comes to the LGBTQ community and its sympathizers, many will say that when we speak this way and when we preach the truth, that somehow we might be picking on them. And I want to be very clear why we are focusing on these topics. 
We are not picking on anyone, but rather we are calling into the light areas that the world is trying to call sin, not sin. That's the difference. We're not picking on anyone. You see, when it comes to murder, pretty much everyone in the society will agree that murder is wrong, or rape is wrong, or stealing is wrong, or lying is wrong. But when it comes to sexual perversions and homosexuality, transgenderism, things like this, the reason we focus on it at times is because this culture is trying to tell you it's not a sin. That's why we have to focus on it. It's not because we don't love people. It's not because we don't accept people and want them to be part of God's family and to find the truth. We want all of that. And it falls under the same category of something like abortion. Why do we speak on abortion so often? Because the world wants to tell you it's not wrong. So we have to come in and say, but the Bible says, the Bible says, and we speak the truth. So we're not picking on anyone. We're clarifying some things. We also wanted to mention that we had a definition of feminism last week where we pointed out that feminism had changed definitions, by the way. That's what this culture is good at right now, by the way. Satan's ability to get into the language, hijack language we we talk about. He hijacks language. Love used to mean lay down your life for a friend. Lay down your life so that they might attain to their God-created destiny. That's what love is biblically. Satan has tried to change that word love to mean, tell me everything I do is okay, no matter what. And if you'll do that, then that means you love me. Change definition. Change the word tolerance. That only means I accept you if you agree with me. All kind of definitions And symbolism changed, including feminism. And this is what we said last week. Feminism is no longer the elevation of women to the value in which God gave them and advocating for their rights in society. But it is now the narrow definition of devaluing motherhood and femininity as to only give value to women who work outside the home and act like men. That's the new definition of feminism, by the way. We talked about the feminization of men how hard Satan is working to feminize men so that they can't be the priests of their home and they can't lead as soldiers of God so they can't be the watchmen on the walls. And at the same time, he's not only feminizing men, he's trying to masculinize women. But it's even worse for the women. Go back and listen to the sermon last week. He's trying to erase women. We don't need women anymore, he would say. After all, I can take technology and biotechnology, and I can get rid of your monthly cycle. I can get rid of you having to be pregnant. I can get rid of you having to be pregnant and losing out on a job promotion because you're pregnant. I can get rid of all the painfulness of giving birth if you'll just give it to the laboratory. You see how this works. Get rid of womanhood altogether. Get rid of women's sports. You don't need that. We see this. We're calling it out. We're seeing the truth. And today, friends, believers are being forced to make a decision to take a stand on what to do because evil is being celebrated in the streets. Last Thursday, we had the pride parade here in Jerusalem. It's being pushed at our schools. It has flooded our media with lies and narratives and indoctrination. 
There's no middle ground anymore. If you've thought that you were going to play nice, those days are over in history. You no longer have the opportunity to play nice. Well, if I just use their pronouns and I say things gently and I'm really careful from the pulpit, then maybe I'll have a bigger audience. Those days are over. Hopefully you are awake and you realize that. You are being forced to take a side and God has already told you that you would be forced to take this side. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either one or the other because there is no middle. And you're going to be forced to speak truth, to stand up for righteousness, to take a stand. We're empowering you to do that. We're going to give you some language tonight that's going to help you do that. Last week, I introduced a, a large concept and a, a big word called transhumanism. It is the belief or theory that the human race can evolve beyond its current physical and mental limitations, especially by means of science and technology. Friends, you have to understand the bigger picture of the sexual perversion push isn't just that we're sexual deviants. It's that we will erase all boundaries and we will get rid of definitions in our bodies so that we can get on from this current created human perspective and move into the future age of transhumanism where we will meld ourselves with technology and definitions of male, female no longer exist. Why? What does Satan win by doing this? Well, he wins the control of the human population in both number and in their choices. There are educational elites, science elites, technological elites, banking elites, and politicians that see an opportunity to be on top of what they perceive to be the next evolutionary cycle. There are the elites at the top that believe this is where we're going and they're just trying to get ahead of it so that they can make the next dollar. This is all being done to benefit those at the top of the social, economic, and political levels. What makes us believe that this sinfulness of mankind would all of a sudden want to serve the world for its betterment, right? These selfish people who have built their whole world on robbing from others, all of a sudden, oh, they, are, they love people now. Oh, we love everyone now. Everyone's included. We just want to make space for the marginalized and the underrepresented. All of a sudden, we've been selfish our whole life. But all of a sudden, we, we just want to be nice. No. You're not going to try to flip the script on us. We know that you've always been selfish. You're continuing to be selfish. You're just putting it under, under a different name. Removing genders along with removing male and female definitions and pronouns, removing the need for marriage, commitment, accountability, natural sexual reproduction. All of this is the spirit of lawlessness that the Bible predicted. It equals the spirit of having no boundaries, no commitments, no accountability. Let me give you our first key phrase of the night. Transhumanism strips natural, God-given roles from both men and women, and it delegates the authority and control to the biotechnological sector to reproduce for us, enabling population control. Say, Pastor Chad, come on, man, you're really getting off. I mean, you are, I thought I was coming to hear a nice little message, and 
God loves me, and uh, even when I fall, he picks me up, and that's true. And all the while, while we're this myopic view of our life, like all I can, all I can do is think about my job, the money I made, paying my bills, and trying to keep my marriage together in this little circle. While that's going on, Satan has hijacked the world. The problem is, when you said yes to Yeshua, he handed you a sword and armor and said, start fighting. And we're acting like, I just need three more self-help books, and I need four more podcasts, and if I could just go to eight more conferences, if I could... How much do you need to learn while millions of people are going to hell? I'm, I'm glad we're getting real smart. But at some point, we got to engage. Engage. Don't put your head in the sand. Engage in what God is doing here. Engage. I'm just going to take that as a prophetic underscore. Listen, this movement towards transhumanism, this will result in more control of reproduction and population control along with continually messing with the DNA in dangerous ways. The government will try to tell you who can have babies and who cannot, and when you can have them, and what kind of babies you can have. Who gets to have the babies? Only those that line up with the ideologies of the people in control. You don't want to move in this direction. You don't want there to be power given over to the state. You don't want there to be technological and biotechnology in control of our bodies and reproduction. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here. Some of you might be battling in your mind right now, Pastor Chad, I'm not sure any of this will ever happen. You're late. It already happened. I'm inviting you to the battle that we've already been fighting. Creating a new humanity. Hello? <clears throat> just going to rebuke the devil off of that microphone in the name of Yeshua. Creating a new humanity that is singular in its ideologies against God and the freedom of thought and the freedom of religion, this is Satan's goal. It's not the sexual stuff. That's just a smokescreen to knock down barriers so he can get us to a singular humanity. Singular in ideologies. And then once we've added the technology sector to this, it is weaponized to control people's thoughts, actions, and movements. And you say, there is no way that can happen, except that during COVID, you were not allowed to travel unless you had certain things. So yes, it can happen and has happened. Do not fool yourself. We know the mark of the beast is on its way, and it's probably quicker than you think. And it will try to restrict and control thoughts, actions, and movements. 
If you think I am getting into a fully electric car, you're mistaken. Because the Bluetooth on that car is linked to somebody who's not going to like this sermon, and the minute they don't want me to go anymore, they can restrict my movement by shutting off the car. He said, oh, Pastor, you're so, man, you're really getting out there, except the police already have the technology and it's already in action. Somebody steals your car, you call the police, they shut it down. The criminal's stuck in a locked car. That's the positive side of it. The negative side of it is you're a believer, you're conservative in your values, and all of a sudden you speak out, guess who else gets locked in their car? It's not coming, it's already here. I read an article this past week that there's a new law that was created to allow homosexual males to be surrogates to have children. So that what a surrogate is, they get to use a woman. So there's two men over here, but there's a woman over here who can actually have a baby. And they do the insemination into this woman and she has the baby. Okay, there are times when Married couples, man and woman, might need that technology and it could be positive. I understand. But in this particular law, what happens is the two men are given a room in the maternity ward. They haven't been pregnant. They haven't had a baby. They're not recovering from anything. They're not passing anything. They're not even needing medication. What are they in the maternity ward for? Ah, oh, they had to feel equal. They had to feel accepted. And the lunacy continues. The particular hospital I'm speaking of in Haifa actually went so far as to say that the recovery room in the maternity ward is for these men, and they allow both of them to stay the night. They don't allow regular husbands to stay the night when they had a wife who actually had a baby, actually needed recovery time in the maternity ward. How absurd. How long are we gonna walk around and just let idiocy of the world continue without going, that's not right. That doesn't make any sense. God's putting courage in you tonight. Last week we noted a, the uterus transplant. Did you hear about this? into a biological male. Then they had to reroute some wires to try to figure out how they were gonna have this baby. I'm getting into the mature part now. And then in the end, this, this watch my quotations, this courageous man, I would never call him courageous, I would call him having mental problems. He needs to be in a hospital. But this man who had a uterus implant with inseminated baby inside, who was so courageous and brave, at the end of the pregnancy, started to get a little worried about how that would work. I'm just surprised it took him so long <laughs> to think about it. And in the end, of course, he opted for the cesarean. Of course you did. Of course you did. 
Transhumanism and the goal presents a new concept that I'm introducing to you tonight called disembodiment. Let me give you our second key phrase of the night. Transhumanism seeks to separate people from their natural world in an attempt to create a sense of immortal existence. You can see where Satan's going with this. He wants to create a new humanity with singularity of ideology to war against God and his people. And he wants to strip us from our physical nature, put us into a technological world for where all of our downloaded thoughts can do what? Live forever. What is he doing? He's pointing at God saying, you said they wouldn't live forever. I will show you I'm better than you. When God said there's a limit of 120 years and then later a limit of 70 years, that was a heavenly proclamation of what would happen into these mortal bodies. God said because of sin, these bodies are mortal. It was a commandment from heaven. Satan is trying to put this in God's face and say, nope, I can create a humanity better than you. You have to see the sinister plot behind all of this. It's not just about homosexual this, transgender that, cross-dress this. It's so much bigger. I could quote so many things. In the Lutheran Witness, Andrew Yeager wrote, transhumanism is the movement that awaits a revolutionary breakthrough in technology where a human personality is uploaded into a robotic body so that the human might live beyond bodily death. They expect to have that technology ready by 2045. You can see Satan's motive. We're uncovering all of it here, creating this new humanity. He's selling this idea. Come to me. It's, it's, it's not even the first time he's tried to sell this. He sold it to the fallen angels before. Come to me. I will create a new creation. We will rule together. We do not have to be distinct from God. We can be equal with God. And he's playing the same playbook, except this time he has technology at his disposal. You're hearing a lot about AI, artificial intelligence, robots, humanoid cyborgs, surrogates, uploading thoughts into consciousness, online avatars, living through the metaverse. Online representations of self that are completely disconnected from someone's natural reality and God-created form and destiny. There are two scientists who are also some-level psychologists who got together with a board of like-minded people. Their names are, last names are Roth, Blatt, and Bainbridge. And they believe that, well, what they're doing is they're attempting to disintegrate the sexes they wrote a book about this. How to disintegrate the sexes so there will be no difference between youth and aged people. No male and female, no races. They believe in a boundaryless humanity. They believe that transhumanism is an upgrade in humanity. They believe in transferring reproduction fully to the technological sector of society and getting it away from women. Their goal is to have full-scale disembodiment, the removal of the physical world, and to have people live virtually online eternally. They believe it's an upgrade in evolution. They wrote a document that mapped all of this out 
and taught groups on how to groom the population so they would be ready to do this voluntarily. And what they wrote was, people will not buy into this voluntarily until you push the sexual agenda first. They know exactly what they're doing, the people at the top. There may be a few innocent people along the way who have a tender heart for the marginalized. There might be a few, but there's a lot of people at the top who know exactly what they're doing. Some of you have heard of the metaverse. It's where you download yourself into these technologies and put on these glasses and, and you become whoever you want to be. You make your own little avatar. You could change genders, change races, change ages in your little avatar because you don't need to go into the real world. You don't need to leave your house. Your little avatar goes into the, the, the digital world and they do business with someone else's avatar. You have no idea who that person is either. See, you got to get rid of boundaries first. Let people get comfortable saying, well, we can be whoever we want to be. And then from that perspective, you pull them into the avatar metaverse world and you say, live like this. Sit in your couch at home, put on your glasses, never meet someone again. Because after all, you've already bought into the idea that you could be whoever you want to be, and that's how you sell it. This trajectory is not hard to see, friends. I know it sounds like science fiction. I was reading an article by someone by the name of Jennifer Bilek. She's not a believer, but she wrote in The Federalists. She's been a longtime supporter of the LGBT movement until now. This is what she writes. Pharmaceutical companies and governments are, are sending millions and now billions of dollars every year to the LGBTQ causes Overall reporting that funding for these organizations are growing eightfold every year. So if it was one billion this year, it's going to be eight billion next year. This huge spike in funding happened at the same time that transgenderism began gaining traction in the mainstream culture. And several billion dollars spent every year has the power to push ideology. It's enough to change laws, uproot language, and force new speech on the public to censor, to create an atmosphere of threat for those who do not comply with gender identity ideology. That was written from an unbeliever who figured it out. Now, if you think there are people pouring billions into this because they love others, you're also mistaken. The transgender movement is a way for capitalistic companies to capitalize on money to be had from tens of thousands, if not millions, of confused people who will forever be dependent on the medical community to keep up the lifestyle. It's a drug company saying, hmm, I can sell this drug to you once, or I can change your ideology and sell it to you for the rest of your life. I think I'll choose the rest of your life. Easy business for me. The other parts of the medical community are seeing lifelong surgeries that they get to do now. Forever and ever, you'll need more surgery, including the phalloplasty, the vaginoplasty, 
facial feminization surgery, urethral procedures, transgender surgeries, drugs for life, hormone therapy for life, womb implants, and other expenses that you will never stop needing once you go down this road. Who saw that? The medical community. What did they see? Money. All actually being guided by the satanic influence of the movement of disembodiment, transhumanism, control of humanity, a singularity against God. Governments of the world have tried to jump straight to control before, but the people have always rebelled when their liberties were taken away. We've seen military states, socialism, communism, dictatorships, fascism. The process takes too long for these people, and the people always rebel because they tried to thrust it on the people. But what's happening today is they're trying to convince you to do it yourself. Voluntarily give it up, according to ideology. Then they can control you. The process is happening more rapidly than you think. And you might say, I just can't quite, Pastor Chad, I appreciate your vision. I mean, you're really out there. Maybe you've got some prophetic sense here. I appreciate the research. You did a lot of good stuff here. You're introducing me to some new words, but I think you're, you're out there too far. I can't see us getting there. There was a, a lecturer, and I want to say thank you to Chris Mitchell, one of our deacons who sent me this article this week. Uh, Dr. Harari was giving a lecture, and he was going over these same topics, an unbelieving Jewish person right here in Israel doing a seminar, and he says, if we continue on this trajectory the way we are doing right now, humanity will be obsolete in less than 100 years. So believe it or not. So here are the steps. You might say, I don't see how we're going to get there. I'm going to tell you how we're going to get there. Here are the steps. First, you open the door to pornography available anywhere and everywhere. It's everywhere. You're not going to pick a show on Netflix without seeing something. Pride week, a flag, half-naked person. Doesn't matter what filter you put on it. You can even go to the cartoons with the kids. A long time ago, we had to stop My Little Pony for our children. Because one day, we're watching, and all of a sudden... Two little girl ponies are married. And there's been a long series of cartoons we had to say, I'm sorry, kids, they're attacking you now. Pornography has to become rampant, and it opens the door to a spirit of lust and increases the pursuit and stimulus and new perversions until those perversions are accepted into the mainstream of society. That's step one, rampant pornography, moving to perversions, and then those perversions being accepted. That's what's happening now. It's happening in almost every city, every street, the parades, on TV, cartoons, the schools, indoctrination. Part number two, step number two, the hypersexualized culture has to be part of the norm, movies, video games, devices, and schools. That's already happened. Step one and two, already done. Step three, homosexuality has to be accepted and celebrated. The results of both lust and pornography begin to be accepted and pushed on everyone until there is no boundary. Homosexuality being accepted already happened. Guys, we are well down this list already. You're saying, what list is this? This is a list that's in a book called How Do You Give, Get People to Accept Your Ideology and Give Up Their Freedoms Willingly. 
We're not stumbling into this. We're not accidentally arriving at this. This is a plan. And we're more than three or four steps into it. Step number four, transgenderism has to be accepted. The history of mental illness has to be erased. Cross-dressing and blurring the lines of God's created boundaries. Gender roles, sexual roles, reproductive roles have to be erased first. It's happening right now. Number five. Disfigurement through self-determination has to be accepted as a norm. The unnecessary surgeries, lifelong drug commitment, anti-rejection medication, anxiety medication forever. The disembodiment, get people away from their natural body. Get them to disfigure their body on their own was part of the steps already happening. We move to surrogates, number six. Once someone can wear costumes and change their appearance in the real world, they can then separate them from their reality, living lives through the metaverse only, a digital interface, and an alternate reality because they've been living in an alternate reality already. Now you're just putting it on a screen. Step number seven, the avatar generation. Living a life outside of reality and interacting electronically without any limits or accountability, no one ever knowing who you really are so that you can never be rejected for the real you. That's gonna sound good to a lot of people. The problem with living these digital lives, this disembodiment, this transhumanism movement, is that it's the opposite of what God tells us to do. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I'm not up here to judge anyone or to present any sense of arrogance. I came across an article where there is a church right now not just doing in-house, not just doing online viewership. They've opened the Metaverse campus where everyone sits on their couch, puts on your glasses, you show up as an avatar in a digital world, including the pastor who shows up on stage as an avatar. You pick your seats as an avatar, and then you do a worship service like that. And yet somewhere we were told where two or three or more are gathered in Yeshua's name. There I am in the midst of them. Never stop meeting together. Lay hands on the sick. Don't avatar the sick. Lay hands on them. A couple of more thoughts. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. Remember last week we talked about not a lie, the lie. Reality itself. In all of the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. The great delusion is upon us. When you can't find up from down, right from wrong, male from female, the delusion is here. You're living out the scriptures right now. 
Why would Satan want all this? Because God is a God of order. Satan is a God of chaos. Satan's ultimate goal is to lead humanity to become a new humanity that he can tempt them with eternal life digitally. And when you push people towards transhumanism and disembodiment, choose whoever you want to be, you've immediately robbed that person of their God-created destiny. Immediately. They can no longer be who God created them to be in that state, rendering them powerless against Satan and his forces. The only person laughing here is Satan, the man of lawlessness. He wants to be the Lord over humanity. He's made that clear from the beginning. And I can't end this. It's a hard word, but I cannot end this without some good news. Amen? God is not going to let us get there. He'll stop it before we get all the way down this road. He will intervene. Pastor Wayne gave us a, a prophetic sense last week, and he said, I believe the enemy has overplayed his hand. I believe that as well. And by overplaying your hand, you expose your motive. And what that exposure of evil motive is going to do is it's going to lead to a great harvest. The very thing that Satan doesn't want. Satan's ultimate goal, his ultimate plan will never reach its full intended purpose. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God, and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. What's going to happen in this next season before the Lord intervenes in a more full way is we're about to see the generation of the prodigal sons returning because they have been in the pig pen. They have seen the devil's schemes. They have seen him overplay his hand. There's a reason the highest per capita suicide rate in the world right now is in the transgender, uh, transgender movement. They're going to figure it out here pretty soon. And where are we going to be? Right here. We're going to be right here saying, hey, I'm glad you figured that out. Come hear the rest of the truth. Come out of Egypt. We have a great promised land waiting for you. Your God and your Father has created you to do amazing things, and it isn't like that. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you that way. Every one of us was born a certain way, friends. And every one of us needed a Savior to come and say, that's not what I intended for you. We're all saved by grace. No one's perfect in this room. But truth has to be spoken. And for the rest of our lives, I'm inviting you to a journey that you do what I'm going to do, that we're going to scream the truth louder than anyone else can scream lies. And we're going to do that until Messiah comes back. Can you stand to your feet? Let me pray over you. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come on down front. We're going to need some help. If you're on the prayer team, the prophetic team, one of our deacons, deaconesses, please make your way forward. Let our people pray tonight. Anyone who needs prayer, any reason and every reason. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Let's get in a position of receiving something powerful from Him. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for letting it come forward, hopefully in a simple way. Thank you for letting us expose the enemy's darkness. We see one battle over to the right 
while he's trying to trick everybody on the left. And we're saying, we see you. You are no longer the prince of this world, Satan. Our Messiah came and he conquered death and sin. And while in the deep parts of the earth, he took back the keys to hell and death. And he handed those keys to us. And we take authority in the name of Yeshua right now that this will be a house of prayer. This will be a house of purity. This will be a house of truth, whatever the cost. And we're praying right now to receive courage. Some of us need courage today in the name of Yeshua. We need bravery. We need an infilling of the Holy Spirit in a new way. That when we said yes to Yeshua, we entered a battlefield. And if we've heard any other gospel, it wasn't the real gospel. Empower us, train us. We are your soldiers in your army getting ready for the last day's battle. And it's gonna be here faster than we've ever imagined. Help us, we need you today, Holy Spirit, we pray. In Yeshua's name, amen, amen. Come, receive prayer.